Chlorinated water is for swimming, not drinking or bathing. Cities add chlorine to Hatch Hatchy water, causing dry skin and hair. This is Claire Beverly, and I want to tell you about LifeSource water systems, the solution to your water worries. A LifeSource system filters your water from every tap, reducing the harsh taste and feel of chlorine and giving you softer skin and hair without maintenance. No salt filters or servicing. Call 888-712-4279 for a free consultation or visit LifeSourceWater.com. LifeSource, taste and feel the difference. I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? Explain to me. No, you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's It's not. It's an illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor, a teacher, a clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble, and I know I'm in trouble. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Who we have tonight? Uh, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Now you first. Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh yeah, love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. AT&T Fiber presents a straightforward moment. Your wine. Thanks. I'll pretend I know what I'm doing before saying it's good. And I'll pretend I don't know you're pretending. Are you a gagillionaire? Yeah, I have AT&T Fiber. The straightforward pricing has inspired me to be more straightforward. Me too. Ugh, this wine. I'll fetch you a better one. Straightforward is better. No equipment fees, no data caps, no price increase at 12 months. Live like a gagillionaire with AT&T Fiber. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. There are a lot of firsts when it comes to the predators I've caught. I've spoken about them on this podcast, obviously. But one of the most gut-wrenching, intense confrontations out of all of the hundreds of the predators I've caught, came in July of 2006 in Harris County, Georgia. And this particular predator stood out for a number of different reasons. And I'll get into all of them as we proceed with the podcast here. But if you follow the investigations, you'll know that Rolando Restacruz, who went online by married, looking for fun, 31313, was an Army veteran. 
a 33-year-old staff sergeant who saw action in Iraq. And he did something so out of the norm. Then, of course, you know, what is the definition for out of the norm when it comes to these predator investigations? Something happens that blows my mind every time I do one, up to and including the more recent investigations in Michigan. And we're getting ready to do more. I'll have an update on that. But this one really took my breath away. So if you remember the investigation in Georgia, it was, as I mentioned, in Harris County, which is a bit rural. The closest city is Columbus, Georgia, and there's a military base there. And so we had anticipated the potential, at least, of getting some military people caught in the investigation. And it was a a very, very well run. I guess they all are, but this one was particularly impressive. The first investigation where we had a task force. So in other words, it was the Harris County Sheriff's. It was Secret Service. A couple of other federal agencies were involved. And it was really, really well done. And the judge in Harris County was tough. And the sentences reflected that. They were not going to have predators getting away with these crimes in the Harris County torture. So we set up in this house in Fortson, Georgia, and it was sent off the road by at least a half mile. And the house had been uninhabited for a while. In fact, when we first got there, as I recall, we had to uh, have a bug specialist come in and, and spray and do a bit of a medication in the house. It was crawling with critters and things. So we got that squared away. And we set up a dozen or so cameras. And this was when we really started to get in the groove of our production of To Catch a Predator. We would have crates of gear and furniture shipped from location to location because we were in the middle of a of a pretty hectic production schedule. And in the middle of this entire investigation, there was a wildfire on the West Coast. And the wildfire knocked out Yahoo, Yahoo's internet. And at the time, remember, we didn't have Kick and all the other social media platforms, TikTok, etc., Grinder the others that we sometimes use to communicate with potential predators. We merely had chat rooms on AOL and Yahoo. So when Yahoo crashed for that day or so, we couldn't operate. Literally, we couldn't put our decoys in those chat rooms and we couldn't communicate with predators who wanted to visit and sexually assault a child. So we ended up putting the investigation on hold. The only time we've done this, we stopped in the middle and I had a bit of a personal crisis I had to deal with. Uh, Two good friends of mine, husband and wife, had died in an explosion while on vacation with their extended family in Wisconsin. The most bizarre, tragic thing I have ever seen. Sleeping at night, there was a propane leak went undetected, and there was an explosion. Killed both of these very close friends of mine. And so while we were down, I said, look, 
this funeral is going to take place. I need to be a part of this funeral. I mean, these were close friends, Pat Higdon and Peggy Higdon, both lawyers. Their kids fortunately survived. They're adults now. Their parents survived and the other extended family survived. But Pat and Peggy were, were killed. And it was one of those losses that's life changing. And you question how something like this could happen. And it takes you a while to get your arms around it. And so I took that week to attend the funeral and the services with other close friends. And, and it was a difficult personal thing. And we got through that and we went back to Georgia and got back to work. One of the more graphic chat logs of the couple dozen people who surfaced in Georgia was, in fact, Rolanda Restacruz. And if you look at the 50 pages of his chat, it is textbook grooming. Now, a little bit about Rolando Restacruz. He, as I mentioned, was 33 at the time, the staff sergeant in the military, was recently divorced, had twins, three-year-old boys. And here he is online chatting with our decoy, who's posing as a 14-year-old girl. And the chat starts out, not, you know, what I would say is friendly necessarily. It's friendly, but it's friendly with a motive. And right away, he knows that this girl is 14. Here's a little bit from the chat. You know, when you don't call, I think everything, even that you were a cop, LOL, decoy says, LOL, oh my God, for real? Yep, I hope you're not. Dude, I'm only 14, LOL. You're silly, she says. Mary, looking for fun, 313113, says, just careful. Decoy says, it's okay. You hear my voice, and I hear yours, so I know you ain't no old guy. Well, to a 14-year-old, he's pretty old. And conversation continues for several days, almost two weeks. And he not only gets into the specter of having sex with this girl... He also talks about running away with her. He asks if she's prone to getting sick easily or has allergies, since a visit to the doctor would be out of the question because of the age difference. He would have to explain who she was. He also said he would have to tell people she was his stepdaughter to avoid suspicion. And the perverted justice volunteer mentions in the notes here that how frightened she was because... You know, had this been a real child, there's no telling where she would be right now. And that's for real. The grooming goes on for many, many days, almost two weeks. So you ever been with a guy before? Not yet, she says. And why? You like older guys, he asks. Because boys my age are stupid, she said. LOL. I agree, he says. It's the same problem when I was your age. Now, he's trying to ingratiate himself, make this 14-year-old girl comfortable with the idea of having sex. And he acknowledges that this is a problem, this visit he's going to pay on this 14-year-old girl if her father finds out or anybody else. He's worried about the neighbors. He says, I guess I have to park my truck far from your house. Decoy says, LOL, yeah, like you can maybe park around the corner or something. Okay, it will be awesome when we meet, he says. 
I can cook. I can make something. She says, that would be great, says the 33-year-old. And then he talks about birth control, saying, I really don't like condoms. I am clean. But we will figure it out once we get together. And then he asks her a series of questions about her cycle, her period, when she's ovulating. And this is the part that gets very graphic. So remember this when he's begging for forgiveness later. I just pull out when I'm close to, assuming he needs coming inside of her. Or you can check when you ovulate. You are regular in your period? Okay, I cannot leave it inside of you five days before or five days after your ovulation. So he's, you know, in this bizarre criminal way, giving her a biology list. And she gives him her schedule of ovulation as best as she can determine. Then he says, I can leave it inside in the dates that we're going to meet, meaning he can complete the sex act inside of her. She says, I won't get predators. I'm going to check on the internet, he says. My dad will kill me if I get prey. But no, you will not, he says, just to make sure, okay. Yes, it says five days. Okay, so we're okay, yeah. I mean, imagine this conversation. And then he asks, you shave? She says, yeah, because I wear a bathing suit. LOL. He's committed at this point but still wants more information. And we wonder at this point, okay, is he just getting off on this chat? She sent some pictures of a young girl, nothing racy. Then he says, okay, so you masturbate? I did before, she says. Okay, you're so sweet. So you ever see a man naked? My dad, one time, LOL, he was getting in the shower. I think he got mad. So you never see a penis, then you just touch over the pants of someone. No, in the pants, but I didn't really look. Okay, he says, that is cool. He's setting her up for their big sexual encounter. He says that she can't tell anyone about their meeting, about the sex. You can tell about me, just don't say my age, he says. And then he talks about maybe changing the age on his profile in case her father happens to come across it on her computer and didn't want to give him a quote-unquote heart attack. What a guy. He asks about thongs, her breast size. She tells him that her dad's going out of town and she's going to be alone, and that's the weekend that he's going to come visit. He's going to be the tutor of sex. As long as whatever I teach you, you use it just with me. No, not only is he trying to set up this sexual encounter, he's trying to set up a relationship where she will be his one and only. He talks about bringing over beers, Coronas specifically, but cautions, I don't want you to get drunk and don't remember what we're going to do, LOL. I cannot wait to meet you and teach you about everything. This is some sick fantasy that he's got. He's going to own this 14-year-old girl, groom her, sexually assault her, and then keep her until she becomes of legal age so he can be with her. He talks about taking a shower together. I will undress you, and you will undress me, okay? I will have to get some lubricant, too. What's that, she says. 
For a virgin to have sex, it hurts, so it's better to put some extra lubricant. This is where he pretends to be gentle about this whole thing. I am happy, he says, that you will give me the gift of your virginity. I feel great for that. Wow. And excited because I want you and to feel your kisses. I want to kiss you all over and love you all night. Your head in my chest. You're so sweet, she says. Touching your body and kissing you and talking about our life together. Now, we don't really know whether he was planning a one-time sexual encounter with a girl or whether he really was going to keep her forever. But he did confirm by his actions that he was going to go through with this. And I'll talk about what the investigators found in his car afterwards. I hope the plans are still in place so we can meet the 21st at night. Oh, they're in place all right. Just going to be a little different meeting than what you expect. So how you like to treat your man? You are submissive or aggressive? Now, this is a 14-year-old girl, according to the profile, who has already told him she doesn't have sexual experience. And now he's getting even more detailed. Wait until I do it with my tongue. And there's more chat, logistics, addresses are exchanged. But before he shows up, he cautions her. Now, remember, sex is a little nasty. I don't want him to find stuff in his bed, LOL. Now, what he's talking about is that there might be remnants of their first sexual encounter in her father's bed. Who says something like this? Rolando Rustic. And now he's going for it, just being really graphic. You shave your pussy, he says. Just leave a little bit if possible. Just trim. I have to teach you everything, right? Like how to suck, how to touch me and everything. And remember, sex is a little nasty. You cannot be picky. Don't worry, I will introduce you to sex slowly. You have a place to hide the cam that I'm going to take to you. So now, not only is he going to do all this, it would appear he's going to record it and then leave the cam so she can perform for him later and they can keep in contact that way. He says he's going to lick her in places that she never thought someone would lick her. We will do many things that I know your other friends that lose their virginity will never dream of doing. I really hope you like everything that I'm going to teach you. And then he appears. It's a weekend morning, Saturday. And we know he's coming. The way we're set up, there's not a a lot of close-by neighbors. And there ended up being a gas station on the nearest intersection. So most of the predators actually stopped there for beer, other alcohol, condoms, candy. And we figured this out. And and so the investigators would stake it out. So we knew that the predator was close by and we could get ready. Perverted justice was set up on this investigation. And PJ headed down to a science by this point as well. And here comes Rolando in his pickup truck. At the time, he was still in the military reserves, the Army Reserves, but he was working at an auto dealership. It's like a brand new, shiny pickup truck. Even had her Google the type of truck so the 14-year-old girl would know what to expect. Ultimately, we figured out that we could get the security camera video from the convenience store at the gas station, and that was helpful in the storytelling. So here comes Rolando Rusticruz into our home, into our kitchen at Fortune Torture. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. 
92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. If you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, call 988. 988 provides free, confidential, compassionate support 24-7 in your phone's local area code. You are not alone in crisis. There is hope. It's the South, so we had sweet tea on the counter. The decoy invites him in, says she'll be right out. I made some sweet tea. It's on the table. I just got to put this stuff in the washer real quick. And he pours himself some sweet tea. He's very comfortable. Makes himself at home. And I don't remember why I came out to confront him so quickly. He wasn't rangy or roaming around, but maybe we had somebody else on the way, or maybe there was some other circumstance. I don't recall exactly, but I I walked out there pretty quickly and listened to the initial encounter. I said, Hello, Mr. Oh, how are you doing, sir? Good. How much have a seat? Yes, sir. Okay, sir. Well, who are you here to see? I was going to meet her. Let's see. Meet who? Your daughter. My daughter? Yes. What makes you think it's my daughter? I was just fooling around, sir. It's clear that he thinks I'm the girl's father. He addresses the 14-year-old as my daughter. And I ask him the questions. The questions I've asked so many predators I've caught. You're talking about taking her virginity. You talk about how sex can leave a nasty mess. You know, the experts would suggest that when somebody does something like this, it's not their first time. It's the first time, sir. I swear. And he backs off. He claims that he wasn't going to do anything. He knows he's in trouble. And he's sorry. Listen to some of his excuses. I will undress you, and you will undress me. He's sorry. For a virgin to have sex, it hurts, so it's better if I put some extra lubricant. Sir, please. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I don't know if I'm bothering anymore. Please. I wasn't going to be transferred. I was going to be told that I cannot do it. Well, that's not consistent with what's here. Page after page after page. Now, he's up and piecing a little bit. And this makes me nervous because I know he's a military guy. I know he's got training with weapons. I know he's built and he's only about 5'2", 5'4", but he's muscular. And again, I've got security. Ronnie Knight's right there. So I'm not really concerned about my safety, but I'm trying to be smart, right? And, and so as he starts to piece back and forth, I said, look, get back in the chair. Have a seat. Have a seat right over there. And He's not charging me or acting aggressive in any way, and I don't get a dangerous vibe from him, but he does something I had never seen before in any predator investigation. He gets down on his knees as if he's going to pray. And I don't know what to make of this. It's not dangerous. I am encouraging him to get back up and to sit on the stool. So you ever been with an old guy before? No, I need you to stay in the chair, please. Just 
please. I'm just sit down, please. Please, sir. I'm to divorce. I just divorced. Yes, you're yeah. divorced. Yes. And you have children? Yes. And how old are your children? Three. How old? Three. Three. Please, why don't you just have a seat in the chair? And he won't stand up. He is literally begging, saying he will never do this again. Says he's sorry. He wouldn't have really had sex with the girl. Now, his mind is racing, clearly, because he's not quite sure what he's walked into, but he knows it's very, very bad. And so I start to wind into the part where I tell him who I am. And then I ask him if he has seen our show, To Catch a Predator. Do you ever watch television? Yes, sir. Do you ever watch Dateline NBC? Yeah, all the cops and everything. I know. Do you ever see the To Catch a Predator show? Yes, I'm not a predator, sir. And it's not exactly clear, but it seems like he has seen some of the shows. And I introduce myself. I'm Chris Hansen with Dateline NBC. And the cameras come on. And he starts begging again. Please, please, please don't put me on television. Well, at this point, you know, it's too late. Nobody ever will make a successful plea not to be put on television. Everybody makes it. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't feel just sad. I can't say that I felt sorry for him because I know in hindsight what he would have done to this child. And that there was a distinct possibility that this child would have been taken against her will because even if she said yes she's 14 she can't give her consent to be taken and engage in sex and he may have tried to take her out of the country he's from puerto rico originally and that plays into this as well and i'll get into that in a minute so where is this child if there was one and it wasn't one of our investigations where would that child be today 15 years later still being held under the spell of this man Would he have gotten tired of her, turned her loose in Puerto Rico? What would her life be like today? I don't think it would be good. And now I'm thinking, why is this guy on his knees? And it didn't dawn on me at that exact moment, but it did later. And I'll tell you a story I very rarely told. I got a call after this aired from a colleague of mine, a dear friend who also worked at NBC News. And I didn't talk to him at first. He left a very, very emotional voicemail. And this was a a buddy who covered the war in Iran in 2003. We went over there to topple Saddam Hussein because of bad intelligence that Iraq possessed weapons of mass destruction. And he was over there covering and saw, you know, how tough this was on some soldiers and suggested to me that maybe... This guy was suffering from PTSD. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, a lot of these guys do suffer, obviously, from some sort of psychiatric disorder. But that doesn't make them any less dangerous. And it became clear to me that the reason he was on his knees was that he reverted back, perhaps, to his training as a military guy, as an army staff sergeant in Iraq, that if he got caught in a bad situation and had to surrender, you would get on your knees and assume the POW position. And for a moment, he had his hands behind his head, at least it's one of them. I truly believe that's what he was doing. He was surrendering and begging for his life, his survival. 
and he asked me again not to put it on television. I said, look, no decisions have been made editorially, which is what I always say, even though in the back of my mind, I know that, you know, this is going to make the movie. And he leaves, walks out the door, and the very professional task force of sheriffs, police, federal agents takes him down. Get on the ground. Please get, get on, on the ground now. Get down. And in the pickup truck, they find, not surprisingly, condoms, beer, lingerie. They also find a receipt for a webcam. So do the map there. This was a dangerous predator. They take him back for questioning, and we'll play a little bit of that. These particular investigators weren't planned. I mean, they were certainly by the book. There was nothing overly aggressive about it, but in some of these investigations, some of the female questioners will use a different tactic and try to get them to tell what they did based upon uh, sympathetic gear. These guys weren't playing. This receipt? Go ahead and listen. What's your rank in the military? Stuff, sergeant. Your staff sergeant? I'm this. Do you recognize this receipt? Yes, sir. Is it, is it something you purchased? Is all this stuff in the vehicle? Yes, sir. The Coke, the webcam. How about Trojan? Is that is that Trojan condoms? Yes, sir. So you brought condoms with you? Yes, sir. Rolando Rusty Cruz was convicted, sentenced to 10 years in prison. He had to serve five full years. He had 10 consecutive years of probation for criminal attempt to commit statutory rape, and he had to register as a sex offender for the rest of his life. He obviously was drummed out of the Army Reserve, where he had served with distinction. He was uh, involved in a crew which ran the armored vehicles with heavy-duty machinery. And by all accounts, his fellow military guys didn't have any issues with him, although after he appeared on To Catch a Predator, his nickname became Resto Molesto. He was fired from his job at the auto dealership, and as he was already divorced, there wasn't much more that could happen to him there. Although in recent years, there have been some court filings indicating that his ex-wife, who had filed for bankruptcy along with Rester Cruz, was taken off the bankruptcy filing. And at some point in the last few years, Resto Cruz failed to report and register as a sex offender. So as of this moment, as of this recording, we do not know precisely where he is, but he is a wanted man. He violated his probation for failure to register as a sex offender. There was some indication, and I've talked to both uh, Joey T. Camp on this and a fellow who goes by the name Skip Tracer, who's got a YouTube channel who follows these cases very closely and is in the business of investigating. It's very helpful to this podcast. That he is back in Puerto Rico working there. And we are trying to find out more about what he's up to and what he has to say about being one of the predators I've caught. We will keep you updated on Resta Cruz and every other predator I've caught. In the meantime, as always, I encourage you 
to reach out to me with an audio question at chris at predatorpodcast.com. This week's question, and they're all good ones, is from May in Chicago. Hey, Chris, this is May calling from Chicago, Illinois. I've always been curious about one thing in particular, and that would be how exactly did you and the on-site crew assess the predator's safety before they came to meet you and the decoy? On several sting operations, I've heard you saying he's a relatively safe guy or he doesn't pose a threat. But how exactly do you identify in these cases what safe really is because they are predators? And when they were threats, how did you work with the police on that? Other than that, love the content that you're coming out with and I hope you stay safe. Thanks. That, May, is an excellent question. And the truth is, you never really know 100% that you're safe, right? It's a risky venture. We know that going into it. And that's probably one of the many reasons why people watch it. We don't know what's going to happen exactly. We can predict. We have research people that do background checks, the perverted justice decoys have the ability to mine the internet to figure out what this guy does for a living, if he's been in trouble before. We have other researchers on staff who check this out. And then there's law enforcement who can do a criminal background check as best as they can. So knowing all that, you know, if the guy's got a DUI, I don't think he's that dangerous. If he's got a history of speeding tickets, he's not that dangerous. If he's got a history of criminal sexual conduct with a minor, you know, we know why he's there. But if he's got a, a violent criminal history, then we have to reassess. And I'll give you an example. We were in Petaluma, and there was a guy who was communicating with a decoy, Petaluma, California. And he makes the comment that he never goes anywhere without his gun. And that gave us pause. So the decision was made, along with you know, perverted justice, Ron Knight, uh, my security guy, in the Sonoma County Sheriff's Department to not let this guy come into the house. We still have the dramatic chat. We still have the dramatic police arrest. And we have the interrogation by the sheriff's detectives after the fact. And that's what we did in Petaluma with this one individual. They took him off in the garage or in the driveway and he was arrested. And it turns out he had a weapon. I believe it was a short-barreled shotgun under the seat of his car. Now, in terms of, you know, could they be packing a weapon unexpectedly? We have done some very creative things in the last minute. For instance, in Kentucky, we had a fellow who was a police officer or former police officer who we knew was licensed to carry a weapon. And when he came to the house, we had the decoy with Ron Knight virtually next to her having a conversation at the door and the police knew this the law enforcement knew we were doing this we don't keep anything from them we had him lift up his shirt lift up his pant legs show his waistband and so we were relatively certain he didn't have a gun and then we have some other technical things that we can use on the set to see if somebody's carrying it's not foolproof, but it's it's an extra layer of security. And because it is security, I don't discuss that in detail. But we have things in place. But the reality is, May, is that 
you know, at some point I've got to come face to face with these guys. And again, if we know they're carrying a weapon, we don't let them in the house. And God forbid somebody comes in with one, as could have happened in Flagler Beach, Florida, then, you know, that's why Rodney Knight was there. But we don't want to have to ever take it to that point. Great question. Feel free to check in again. And next week, next episode, we have gotten so many good questions. So many compelling questions that we're going to devote an entire episode to answering those questions, which I'm looking forward to because I think it's going to be kind of fun. So that's what we're going to have in the next episode of Predators I've Caught. I'm Chris Hansen. Thanks for joining. You can find me on Cameo, Instagram, YouTube, Have a Seat with Chris Hansen, Discovery Plus, and some new television projects coming out in the next months, I hope. Busy time. In the meantime, you can reach me at chris at predatorpodcast.com. I'll be watching and listening. Take care.